We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and the biblical admonition, actually one of the Ten Commandments, that you are to honor your father and your mother. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Thanks for listening in to the show. So the topic of the day is Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And an interview that he granted to his former girlfriend, Danica Patrick, of race car fame. She has a podcast, and about a year ago, she interviewed Aaron Rodgers on that podcast. And the topic was his faith, um, Christianity, if you will. I think he still identifies as a Christian. I'm not sure. But that's the topic of the day, his answers to these questions. I'm going to tie that in to the biblical admonition, the 10th commandment, actually, to honor your father and your mother. I'll also tell the story of how I was interviewed just yesterday in a British podcast, one that actually has almost 700,000 subscribers. It's called The Sean Atwood Show out of Great Britain. And the interview was conducted by an atheist on that show between him and me and some of his questions and some of his disagreements with me. It ties into this issue of honoring your father and your mother, honoring those that have preceded you, building on the wisdom of the ages in humility and recognizing that, you know, those that came before you, actually have left you a legacy that you should be grateful for, and you might want to preserve it rather than discard it. That's today's show. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So let's start with this story of Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to give you a brief summary here. Again, if you want to read the whole story, and I would recommend that you do so. In fact, go to this website, SportsKeeda. That's sports, K-E-E-D-A. And look up this story because there is an actual audio recording of the podcast, of the interview that I'm referring to and that this writer is referring to. It's more extensive than what the article describes. It's very interesting. But the summary is this. Aaron Rodgers goes on this podcast with Danica Patrick, and he's asked about his religion, about his faith. Um... And uh, he basically says some things that apparently upset his family, upset his mother and his father. So when he was asked about the topic of religion, um, as the article says, he has some very interesting things to say, and that's, that's true. Again, this took place about a year ago, last year in January 2021. I'm not sure why it's popping up in the news feeds again today, but it is. So he says this when he's asked to give his thoughts on religion. 
And this is a direct quote. He says, I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell. What type of loving, sensitive, omnipresent, omnipotent being wants to condemn most of his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of all of this? Now, Rogers then goes on and talks about his disagreement with Christianity and the way he was raised in terms of black and white binary rights and wrongs. Now, a sidebar. This is very interesting because it always fascinates me that people that make a living within a black and white binary world, which clearly sports is, you can't play football if there aren't boundaries. You can't play a game if there aren't rules. You have to have a referee who is judging the game and blowing the whistle on those that are out of bounds, right? Football, sports, is predicated upon binary distinctions. I've mentioned this to you before. You don't have baseball. You don't have basketball. You don't have soccer. You don't have football. You don't have sports unless you recognize black and white, right and wrong distinctions, and that there's someone bigger and better than you that's blowing the whistle on the game so that everybody participates within the binary distinctions, which are called the rule book of the game of football. This is the nature of sports. So when you have an athlete, a professional athlete, somebody that makes millions and millions and millions of dollars living within those boundaries and doing it very well, I might add, it's very interesting that he doesn't understand that life in general, um, if it's going to be successful, has to follow the same principles. You can't live that way in your professional life and then in your private life, just chuck it all to the wind. So... The story goes on. Um, he's asked to comment further about his views on Christianity, his views on religion. And he says this, his views started changing in his high school years. He says, high school for sure. That's when things started to change. I had two groups I was going to, my church on Sunday and to Young Life on Mondays. And Young, young Life welcomed everyone. It's like Come as you are. Be there at 729 and be ready for some fun. And it was fun. We had a great time. Now, church on Sundays was more, you know, make sure you dress a certain way. It was very black and white in a binary sense. But I don't think it was very welcoming. Religion can be a crutch. It can be something that people have to have to make themselves feel better. Close quote. Okay, do you see where he's going with this? Again, this binary contradiction. He didn't like church because it was binary. It was black and white. Again, you live in a black and white world, Aaron Rodgers. Without black and white, without boundaries, you wouldn't have a job. It would be ridiculous to try to play the game without those boundaries. But yet you want to play the game of life. You want to play the game of society. You want to engage in relationships. You want to be a human being without any binary distinctions, black and white rules. This makes no sense. But he's criticizing faith. He's criticizing the way he was raised. And essentially, he's criticizing his mom and dad and his family. The article says this, that his family considered this to be a slap in the face. They were dismayed. They were dismayed that he was criticizing their dedication to their Christian faith. This is what People magazine reported in terms of the reaction of his family. All right. So why is this worthy of a radio show? Why is this worthy of a podcast? Well, there's so much here. There's so much here. Um, 
again, I want you to go listen to the interview because you'll understand it better if you do. But I've given you enough to make this comment. I would argue that what's here is Aaron Rodgers being the poster child for much of what's going on in millennial and Gen Z culture. Now, you may argue he's slightly older than millennials. Not much. Not much at all. But um, let's just set that aside. He's a poster child for today's contemporary attitude, for what we see in the daily news, for what we see in terms of the market square of ideas and many of the ideas that are prevailing, at least in social media, at least in the daily information that we digest, that we read about, in the icons that we follow, uh, in the heroes that we've elevated, our sports heroes, for example. And Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic football player, and I admire some of his independence and tenacity. For example, his stand against forced vaccinations. I applaud him for that. But this interview demonstrates a shallowness of the evangelical youth groups that I've criticized before. Notice he says at Young Life, we just had fun. Uh, you're not getting catechized. You're not understanding the depth, the history, the traditions, the biblical facts of your faith. You're just going and having fun, apparently, at Young Life, because he draws a distinction between Young Life and church. Now, many of you listening may have had a positive experience in Young Life. I'm not trying to disparage that. Good for you. I applaud that. God's grace was upon you. But my concern today, as an individual who's made his living in the Christian academy, in the um, parachurch function of Christianity, uh, directly related to Young Life, youth groups, and all that comes with it, because I got your kids after they went through Young Life and your youth groups. I know the baggage they brought to my university as the result of not being very well educated in the faith, having a very shallow understanding of Christianity and what it is. So I understand the problems here. Youth groups in general are doing a terrible job of catechizing the next generation of believers, and Aaron Rodgers screams of that in his comments. He's elevating fun over facts, for example. This highlights the failure of the church to teach, to teach the reality of sin and the holiness of God and our moral culpability to live within the boundaries of God, not because we earn our salvation in doing so, but because God expects this of us because it's a better life, a better way. We have better relationships, a better culture, a better society. We are better for it when we live within his simple rules. And when we don't, literally, all hell breaks loose upon creation and we have a mess on our hands. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't realize that he's advocating for that mess, for that chaos, rather than the organized, predictable uh, function of culture that comes with living within the binary and understanding the reasons for it. He hasn't been taught that in his, I think, his evidence in his comments about young life and youth groups. So I would argue it's a poster child for something else. It's a poster child for the disrespect that our current culture has for the patriarchs, those that have gone before us, and for our parents. This is chronological snobbery. Aaron Rodgers thinks he knows more than his mom and dad. 
Aaron Rodgers thinks he knows more than his grandfather and grandmother. Aaron Rodgers thinks he knows more than Augustine and Aquinas and Luther. He thinks he knows more than John Newton. He thinks he knows more than William Wilberforce. He thinks he knows more than all of the patriarchs of our faith, of Jesus and John and Paul and Peter and Jude and Matthew and Mark and Luke and the prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Solomon and King David. The list goes on and on. Aaron Rodgers is arguing that he understands God better than Moses. This is the nature of his argument of his worldview. This is chronological snobbery. We come up with a new idea, it's two minutes old, and we chuck 2,000 years or 3,000 years or 3,500 years of church teaching and history. So this results in us doing what? This is a mantra that I've recited over and over again on this show. You start worshiping the God you want rather than the God who is. You start liking the God you see in the mirror more than the one that's revealed in the Bible. This is very dangerous because we all become gods unto ourselves and we all start making our own rules up as we go. You can't play football without some consistent, predictable, well-defined rules, Mr. Rogers, and you're not going to play the game of life without the same predictability and definition. So he's elevating his wisdom, his wisdom and his morality over God's. He's disparaging binary rules, and he's oblivious to the fact that his profession would be impossible without them. And he apparently thinks that he's smarter than all of these people that I've cited. I'll add to that list. Chesterton, uh, Lewis, and then the list goes on, as I said, Jeremiah, Solomon, Moses, and even Christ himself. So there's so much here. There's so much to be said about this interview. And I I, I was uh, listening to this interview at the very time I was reading through Proverbs. That's what I'm doing right now in some of my daily reading. I'm reading through the book of Proverbs. And I've gone through about the first 15 chapters so far. And so I'm listening to this interview while I'm reading Proverbs, and it struck me how many times Solomon in the book of Proverbs tells us that a wise man does what? Honors his father. Here are some of the quotes from Solomon. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. My son, if you accept my words and listen closely, you you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Here's another one. My son, don't forget my teaching. Then you will find favor with God and and with people. Here's another one. Listen, my son, to your father's discipline. Don't abandon my teaching. And here we go again. My son, pay attention to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them in your heart. My son, listen to me. Listen and be shrewd. You who are inexperienced, listen, for I speak of noble things. Do you see a common theme here? The son is to listen to the father. Why? Because the son is inexperienced. You don't know as much as those that have come before you. Take a spoonful of humility and recognize that the wisdom of the ages is something that you should honor and not mock. That's the common theme here. Listen, my son. Listen to your father. Listen. You're inexperienced. You likely don't know what you're talking about. And I have been around the block a couple times and I speak of noble things. 
And then he's even more specific, Solomon. Solomon is even more specific on things like um, how to choose a a, a wife, <laughs> all right? Now, keep in mind that Aaron Rodgers is granting this interview to his live-in girlfriend, Danica Patrick. And now he's engaged to another girl. Uh, I can't remember her name. You guys would know who she is. I've lost it for a second here. But she's known for being bisexual, that she loves people for who they are, not for their biology, Okay, so that's where Aaron Rodgers is going right now in his relationships. Well, what does Solomon have to say about that? Here's what he says, accept my instructions, my son. Folly is a rowdy woman. She is gullible and knows nothing. Stay away from her. Otherwise, you will give up your years to someone cruel. And at the end of your life, you will lament and you will say how I hated correction and didn't obey my teachers. In other words, you're going to suffer the consequences of making bad decisions in your relationship. I've written in the margin of my Bible on this particular uh, passage, bad wife, bad life, okay? And that's very true. The people that we choose are going to affect the way we behave and the way we believe. And if you choose somebody that's antithetical to the wisdom of the ages and the wisdom of your mom and dad, you're probably going to reach a point in time, says Solomon, at the end of your days, you are going to lament and you will say how I hated correction and I didn't obey my teachers. In other words, it's not going to end well. And then he goes on. He goes on and on and on and talks about, my son, listen to me. My son, pay attention to me. Listen, my son, to your father's discipline. My son, don't forget my teaching. My son, if you accept my words and listen closely. Solomon says this over and over again. Why? Here's the reason why. <laughs> it's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. And there's a reason it's one of the Ten Commandments. We are told over and over again, to pay attention to your mom and dad and to honor them. Every decision we make, whether it be political, theological, ecclesiastical, or even marital, should show respect to your father and your mother. The fathers of the church should also be respected. Every decision you make, I'm going to say it again, political, theological, ecclesiastical, even marital, should honor your earthly father and the fathers of the church and should ultimately honor your heavenly father. Okay, this even comes with a promise. It comes with a promise. The Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long and that it may go well with you. <laughs> Why? Because as human beings, we have a tendency to think we know everything. I've said before, conservatives get accused of always thinking that you're right. Well, Conservatives, if you're truly conservative, you're grounding your knowledge of righteousness, of what's right and what's wrong, in the history, the traditions, the teachings of your father and your fathers. You're grounding your worldview in the wisdom that's longer, bigger, and better than your temporal experience in life. You're inexperienced, and you recognize that the experience of the ages is something you might want to attend to. In other words, you're chronologically humble rather than a chronological snob. You recognize you don't know everything and that somebody who's a little older than you may know more than you. That's why you are to honor your father and your mother. 
honor the fathers of the church, because this is a symbol. This is part of the formula of honoring your heavenly father. You know, I'm more convinced that one of the primary sins, maybe the primary sin of our time, is the dishonoring of our parents, breaking that commandment. Um, The Bible is clear, very clear, that children are to honor their fathers and their mothers. Now, I want you to listen to this. There's nothing in the Bible about it being the other way around. Do you hear what I just said? The Bible's very clear that children are to honor their fathers and their mothers. There's nothing that says it should be the other way around. I'm not saying that we're supposed to dishonor and disrespect our children, but what I am saying is that the formula of formula, excuse me, of scripture is that parents should be honored. You shouldn't flip it on its ear. Let me explain. We've raised an entire generation to think that their moms and dads are ignorant. We've got a nation of 30-year-old adolescents who disparage their founding fathers and they smirk at the patriarchs of the church. We've got an entire country that thinks their new ways, their new ways are better than the old. We've got a bunch of precocious children who would rather have fun, Aaron Rodgers, have fun at Young Life than learn anything about the facts of the faith. We've got a bunch of 40-year-old know-it-alls who think that anyone six months older than them is stupid. That's the kind of culture we've created. At the very time, mom and dad's ways, our father's ways, are being proven over and over again in spades on a daily basis. Just look at the news. The old ways are being proven to be maybe better than the new ways. Just look at the daily news. At the very time that our father's ways are being proven over and over in spades to be true and right, we've got a country of perpetual children and chronological snobs who are so fixated at gazing at their own navels that they can't see that the house is afire. They've lit the match and they're in it. That's my commentary on Aaron Rodgers and his disparaging of the way he was raised. There's no logical consistency in what he's saying, and I would argue there's no ontological consistency in what he's saying. It's theologically shallow. It's chronologically arrogant, and it's dishonoring the wisdom of the past. The binary rules of the past are bad. Just because Aaron Rodgers decided that they were? Apparently so. Now, I said I was going to tie this in to an interview that I did on a show, or for a show, yesterday. The Sean Atwood Show out of Great Britain. Apparently it has nearly 700,000 subscribers. Well, uh, Sean Atwood has a partner uh, uh, sidekick for his show. Honestly, I can't remember his name. Forgive me for that. But I ended up being interviewed more by the sidekick than I was by Atwood. It was about an hour long. Great interview. I enjoyed it. It was civil. It was a good give and take. I had the opportunity to comment on cancel culture and why I stand against it. And I think I think my interviewer agreed with me on that. But he made it clear that he was an atheist. And the reason he made that clear was because I referenced my Christianity and my biblical worldview as the context for my disagreement with cancel culture. I argued that Christianity gives us more liberty at the end of the day than the antithesis, than the opposite, than atheism, if you will. 
Well, my interviewer felt uncomfortable with that, and he started challenging me on what he viewed as the shortcomings of Christianity. And one of his views was that the rules of Christianity and the history of Christianity was lacking, and that it wasn't true, it was just based on fabrications that were passed down to us by those that preceded us. Uh, He disparaged, he disparaged Christianity because he felt he knew more than the patriarchs of the church, the fathers of our faith, the writers of scripture, the prophets, the apostles, everyone that has preceded us and preceded him. Those folks were dumb, and this man knew more. Now, we got to talking about the foundation of American culture, and I reminded my friend, because he's British, the foundation of his own. I said, have you been to Oxford or Cambridge? Have you looked around? You recognize that every university, every college therein was founded on a biblical worldview on Christianity. I mean, just look at the spires. Every one of them has a cross on top of it. Look at the mottos on these various different libraries as you go from college to college without, within the University of Oxford or Cambridge. It's all Christianity. And likewise in the United States. I mean, Harvard was founded, quote-unquote, to lay Christ at the bottom as the foundation of all learning. I reminded him of that. My point was this. The history of Christianity in Great Britain and in the United States is very rich. And that history has left you a legacy, sir. And that legacy is the very freedom that you now enjoy. Great Britain would not be Great Britain without Christianity, without these traditions, without these binary distinctions. You wouldn't have civil law. You wouldn't have moral codes. You wouldn't have the abolition of slavery. You wouldn't have orphanages and hospitals. You wouldn't have Oxford. You wouldn't have Cambridge. You wouldn't have education. You wouldn't have the liberty that you now enjoy to engage in this debate with me if it weren't for Christianity and if it weren't for those simple laws of God, those 10 principles, those 10 laws of the 10 commandments. And then I reminded him that Jesus summarized those 10 in two. I used the words of G.K. Chesterton, one of his own Brits, to remind him that when you get rid of those laws, you're not gonna get liberty. You're gonna get more and more little laws. You're gonna lose your freedom, sir. You're going to lose your freedom to disagree with me, to debate with me. You're going to lose a civil society. You're going to have ideological fascism rather than personal liberties and personal freedom. Because because if you become a chronological snob and disregard the legacy of your fathers, you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater and you're going to end up with a mess. This man was committing the exact same sin if you will, that Aaron Rodgers is committing, and that is the dishonoring of those that have preceded us, the dishonoring of those that have tried to teach us, the dishonoring of those that have said, listen, my son, listen to my instruction. You're inexperienced. I speak of noble things. We need to pay attention. That doesn't mean our earthly father is always right, but it does mean we need to dig deeply into his teachings as well as the teachings of everyone who preceded him and understand in the midst of doing that why the Bible demands, demands, commands us 
to honor our fathers and our mothers, that our days may be long and that it may go well with us. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.